Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lucas Hyde podcast, another long cast. Thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in. Although I don't know how long this one's going to be, I'm going kind of off the cuff here. And just to preempt all that, the reason why I'm going a little bit off the cuff is because I had several exams last week and um, swamped with matches this week. So I had a little, I was a bit of a time crunch in order to get the research that I would normally want to do for a podcast um, for the Wednesday ones. I didn't really have the time to do that um, while also being effective in other parts of my life. So I just wanted to be completely upfront with all you listeners and let you know that this is kind of off the cuff and I'm just going to be talking a little bit about myself today. Um, it, it, although I do love talking about myself, I'll try not to do that every single time. Um, so today I'm going to briefly touch on naps and what I think about naps. And I'm also going to then phase into my workout schedule and what that typical workout schedule throughout the week looks like. Not necessarily the routine of working out, but why I do certain workouts and when I do certain workouts and maybe when I avoid certain workouts and everything like that. All right. So just a little bit of housekeeping first. We uh, are about to hit 200 listens on the podcast. That is ridiculous. 200 overall listens. Thank you, everybody who's been tuning in every single week. I appreciate it. It's, it's mind-blowing. I, was, I thought it was crazy when we hit 100, and we're, we're doubling that. That's insane. I can't believe it. Thank you, everybody. And keep tuning in. It, it makes me feel great. And I love that it's helping people and people are listening. I love the feedback from everyone, too. So just to get that out of the way. And then I want to quickly shout out my friend, Charlie, who is my doubles partner. He's one of my best friends. I love you, dude. He asked me to quickly touch on sleep or naps today. And that kind of gave me a little bit of a little little light bulb went off, and I'm going to touch on that briefly for you, dude. So, and thank you for listening to all the podcasts. Um, I don't know, I don't know if you're a big podcast listener. We haven't really talked about it too much, but thank you for listening to mine. It means a lot, dude. I love you. All right. So naps, and what do you do about them? Do you do them? Should you not do them? What what are they? Now, I want to preempt all this discussion. I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't have a degree. This is more my what I do with naps. So this isn't like this is just how I take naps. If I do take naps, if I ever take them, usually I don't. But this is what I look to worry about. Um, so this isn't really like this isn't necessarily me telling you what to do or anything. But it's just more my take on a nap in general. So when I take naps, the First thing I really do is I use a good sleep app because I have trouble just laying down and start napping. And when I want to nap, I want to nap effectively in order to jumpstart the rest of my day. So about five to seven hours after you wake up, you're going to feel this dip in cortisol, which which also happens to wake you up in the morning, that cortisol. And that dip... When you reach it, that's when you start to feel a little bit gro- a little bit slow throughout the day, and that's when you want to take your nap. I would think that would be that's when I try to take my naps if I have to take them is around that five to seven hour mark because that cortisol is going to be dripping, my energy is going to be a little bit low, and then I want to jumpstart the rest of my day. So I'm going to take around a twenty minute nap. 
Now, 20 minutes is key. And the reason 20 minutes is key is because when you take a 20 minute nap, anything longer than that, you're starting to get into different types of brain waves that are going to slow down your brain waves and it's going to start turning into sleep. And when you start getting into deep sleep and REM sleep, your body is ready to shut down. Um, that's what I feel is that your body is ready to shut down for the day and really just call it quits for the day. Uh, it's going to start resting. And if you start doing anything over that, and I've noticed this myself, where if I take, say, a longer nap, um, I could wake up and I, I'll feel slow the rest of the day, which is not a good feeling. Um, you just feel less motivated or I feel less motivated. I feel that I don't really want to do anything the rest of the day. And everything else is kind of moving in slow motion. The gears aren't turning. And that is because my body's ready to shut down. I've kind of told it that it is time for it to close up shop for the day instead of just trying to jumpstart the day for the afternoon. So I would suggest like to myself, if I was struggling with this, I would say, oh, well, I'm waking up at like eight, five, seven hours later, I would take my nap and then I would do my whole afternoon. And that's probably when I would feel my nap is most effective. And again, I use the Pisa's app. I've talked about it like a hundred times. It's it's amazing. And I just stick my headphones in. And that's the only one that's able, able to get me to nap effectively. So I've tried a bunch of different ones. And there is, I believe it does the brainwave frequencies, uh, different frequencies, one in each ear um, to get you to nap. And I'm not entirely sure what those frequencies are. So I, I will have to look into it and check it out so that I can have that information for you guys. At some point, I'll tweet it out. And the thought process behind that is that you play the two different frequencies and it gets your brain into a certain uh, brainwave and then you would, you would uh, be able to nap effectively from there. So that's what I would say. And make sure you have a routine. Same thing. If you're going to sleep, um, it's the same exact thing. Have a routine for your nap. Make it quick because, again, we're not trying to spend the whole day prepping for a nap and then we feel groggy the rest of the day. And then after you wake up from your nap, I would start moving. I would just, around that 20 minutes, I know it's effective for me that when I get up and I start either doing a little bit of light yoga, stretching, something, something that gets my body moving to get it energized again if that nap was a little bit too long. So that's probably what I would tell myself in that situation if I was looking a little bit more into naps. Um, just to reiterate real quick, I'd hit that 20-minute mark, 20 minutes or less, I wouldn't go over than that. Uh, probably around five to seven hours after I wake up, I would regulate my sleep schedule in general because I want my circadian rhythm to be on point. And again, when my circadian rhythm's on point, that normal drop of cortisol is going to happen at around five to seven hours. And when that happens, that's when I take my nap. So that's going to be effective hormonally. I'm working, I'm working great. So those are the things that I would look forward to when it came to a nap. And then I would get moving right afterwards. So that's really all I have for nap. And I, again, I didn't have a super amount of time to go into the actual research and data. Um, I just kind of did a couple quick searches and looked at some of the information on napping. And maybe I'll do a future podcast on specifically napping. And I'll go into the data when I do a more formal long cast. But that's just like my little five cents on napping. I hope that helps you out. Uh, again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a sleep expert or anything, and I don't have a degree in anything. So I just want to reiterate that and be completely forthwith with that. This is more just my opinions on napping and what I would do. All right. 
So now that we are done talking about napping, um, I want to, and if you guys didn't fall asleep, if you guys didn't take a nap from listening to me drone on about napping, if you're still here with me, um, I'm going to talk about what my normal workout schedule is like for the week. Now, when I first started working out, I started with a program. I believe it is called the it it is a war the workout for warriors the warrior workout. I believe I'll have to look. I actually have it, so I'm gonna. I'm walking across the room right now. It's in my room. Ultimate warrior workouts. All right, and so that has a bunch of different. The premise behind that book is to apply workouts for what I believe is like fighters and using workouts that they would possibly use to get yourself in the best shape. And the schedule for that is it would lift three days a week and then would have the two sprint days in between those. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday would be the lift days and then those two days would be sprints, something like Tabatas or something like that. And that's where I first started. And I find that that can be really effective when you're first starting to work out. Now, before, after I started doing that, I then outsourced my workout. I actually just got a coach to to just build a workout for me for around, I believe it was a year. And I did that for two years. I had, he built me a workout for one year and then he built my workout again for a whole nother year out. And I think that was extremely important in the beginning to have a program set out for me every single day for a year to tell me what to do in order to be extremely effective because I was at a point where I wasn't working out every single day and I needed someone, I need that extra push to tell me that you have to get this done, this is what your goal is for the day. So for people I would suggest it it's, can be useful to go and outsource your workout programs and ask, oh, okay, what do I have to do this day? What do I have to do this week? What do I have to do months from now? What is the goal? And that is the nice thing about having a coach that can outsource your programs and just make them for you. And you don't have to spend the time to sit down, plan all your workouts out. It's already done for you. That can be really effective. And I did that for a really long time. I really enjoyed it. Um, And then as I started getting more into health and fitness and listening to more health fitness groups and circles, I kind of have driven away from the completely planned out workouts a year ahead of time every single day and outsourcing my programs. I feel that for my own body, I do have a good amount of knowledge now, a good amount of knowledge now to build my own workout programs and pick the right exercise for what I want to do. For example, I play tennis, so I have to work around this. For example, I'm in season right now. My workouts currently, this block of the season is not the same as it was before, uh, earlier before in the preseason. So I think it's effective now that I can just work around that instead of having all my workouts planned out. But again, if you're just getting into working out, it's not something that I would necessarily shy away from. It's just having someone build all these workout programs for you, tell you exactly what to do, and then move forward from there. It would be really effective. And it's also, I believe for me, I know that this was a driving factor is that I paid for it. Um, My parents helped me out actually. So 
there there's money on the line in this when you when you outsource your coaching programs you pay the money it's it's more of an incentive i've paid money and now i have to dig myself into this and really commit to it otherwise it's a waste of money and coaching can be expensive so that's where i first started and then now i've moved away from that i've moved away from planning out everything as i was saying before and now i work more on a daily basis now the way I do that is I just listen to my body. And this is something I had to learn because I overtrained myself uh, about a year ago. I was struggling and I started seeing a dip in performance and just everyday general performance. And I believe that this was partially due to overtraining. I was sticking to a specific program and then I was doing extra stuff on top of the program. So I was playing tennis. I was doing my workout program. I was doing jujitsu. So, which... All of those are extremely intense activities. So you have to be wary of that when you get a program is that if you're just going to stick to the program, then there is this issue of possibly overtraining if you don't have all of these other things factored in. And that's something that I had to learn is that I can't just, if I have a coach program, I can't just do everything and then do extra stuff on top of that. Because that's built assuming that I'm most likely just doing what's in the program. All right. So now, back to listening to my body. What I do is I can usually tell right when I wake up. Now, there's other effective ways of doing this. There's heart rate variability, which I don't do. But I know a lot of people do, a lot of health and fitness people do, and they really like it. I know Ben Greenfield really likes it. And I believe what it does is is it measures the variability between actual beats in your heart and there's a bit of a variance there and the more you have i believe the better and then the less you have you might be overtrained that is the general principle i would double check me on that just to make sure i'm not putting poor knowledge out there but the heart rate variability can be really effective is as a way to quantify where your body is at and when you wake up, you the principle is you test your heart rate variability. It's usually by like a little sticky or something, and then it connects to your phone. And then you can tell if you're overtrained or not. Now, I don't actually have the equipment to do a heart rate variability test. I don't actually do that. So what I do in the morning is when I do my morning push-ups, as I talked to you guys before, I can usually tell if my body is pretty tired. If I'm struggling even to just get 15 push-ups in, and I know that the day before I had a super heavy lift, that next day, I can tell you right away, I'm not going to be heavy lifting because I don't want to overtrain my body. Now, there's other principles like overtraining and then giving yourself a rest week and then deloading. And But I'm not going to go into that today. I just wanted to just say that because there is a principle behind this that overtraining can be used in some ways effectively. But that's not what I'm covering today. I'm covering more my workouts. So... Now what I've shifted more towards is listen to my body. On really heavy days, I do lots of kettlebells. And the reason I moved away, I first started with just regular dumbbells, and I've now moved to kettlebells. Dumbbells certainly have their place, barbells, everything like that. Just your classic workout iron equipment. That definitely has their place. The reason I do a lot of kettlebell training is because I just, I just like swinging kettlebells. They're just fun. And... I think it's important to have fun when you're working out because it just makes it more enjoyable. Who, who doesn't want to have fun when they're working out? And also, I like the kettlebells because I feel like it trains all of the little connecting muscles 
that I have to use when I have to balance the kettlebell if I'm doing a swing. And just the way that it's weighted, I find that it's super effective and just mixing up my workouts. And so when it comes to my lifting days, usually it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But when I am like in season right now, I almost do no less. I almost do exclusively yoga. But I'll do exactly what I've described to you guys before. I'll just go to the Instagram page of someone like Primal Swolger. I'll pick a couple workouts out from there and I'll see what I need to work on that day. If I need to get specific back things done, arm things done, shoulders done, I will look at ones that are primarily focused on those things and then throw the kettlebells in there just for the added weight. And those workouts are extremely effective. And so if you're feeling really good one day, I would say throw in those heavy workouts. And that's what I normally do. Now, when it comes to usually my Tuesday, Thursdays, I usually like to stick to sprint workouts because they're short and I don't generally do long cardio. I like to do high intensity interval training. So I do lots of Tabata sets and they take basically the actual workout takes four minutes. It takes 24 minutes for me because I do the warm up, the actual Tabata set and the cool down. And those are great. I find that they're super effective in keeping my engine, my, uh, my cardio engine good. And I would definitely suggest trying out a high intensity interval workout every now and then. And that's something that I stick to. And then Saturday, Sunday for me, what I do is I usually do a light Saturday and Sunday. I'll do yoga and then I'll do rolling and I'll mix those up depending on the day. And that's usually what my typical workout week looks like. Now, if I throw something like a wrench, like I'm in tennis season, that throws a whole wrench in everything because I could have matches on one day and have them on another day. And I have to prep specifically for those and make sure that I don't overtrain myself the day before. So then I almost stick exclusively to yoga. I'll do some long distance cardio and then I'll do the high intensity interval ones if I have an off day or something Uh, and lots of rolling. I roll every single day. I think it's super effective. So I think it's important to listen to your body too. It's have this general schedule like I do and then listen to your body on top of that. And what I mean by that is that when I wake up in the morning and I know today's supposed to be heavy lift day, again, if I feel that I'm struggling to get through my pushups, I feel groggy, I didn't sleep well, I don't necessarily go right through and do another heavy lift. I might mix it up and just do rolling or something because I don't want to overtrain my body. That's something that I'm typically afraid of because I've kind of dealt with those issues before and I'm still recovering for something like that. So that is generally what my typical workout week looks like. I'll do the heavy lifts. If I don't feel like I can do the heavy lifts, I'll throw in something like yoga or cardio or a light cardio. If it's not a heavy lift day and I feel good, I'll throw in the high intensity interval. And that's generally it. Um, I know that this was kind of a different podcast. Um, and I just kind of wanted to go off the cuff and just talk about my workouts and how I generally structure that. So if it seems a little bit unstructured and and all over the place today, that was kind of what I was going for. Uh, thank you for listening and tuning in. I'm glad I was able to get some of the nap information out there. And I'm glad I was able to just kind of put my workouts out there. And talk about what I do so that you guys just have a little bit more information about me. Learn what I do. I think it's important to be transparent that way. And if you guys have any questions, uh, same thing. Just go over to Twitter, Vonderhealth, Instagram, Vonderhealth, or 
thelucashydepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you. And you know it. Kill it the rest of the week. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Love you guys.